Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. You read in verses 1 through 8. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. 2 Timothy, chapter 2, 1 through 8. And then we're focusing on verse 8. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partaker of the, tr- of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. You may be the title of our message tonight is just remembering the resurrection. Remember the resurrection, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So remembering the resurrection. Um, the Apostle Paul confirms here uh, two things that are very important to our faith, which are under attack a lot. They, people try to undermine them a lot, delegitimize them a lot. And he confirms both of them in one verse. He confirms that Jesus Christ is a descendant of David. He is a true Messiah in the earthly sense, in the, in the, the human sense. And he, the foundational linchpin of all that we believe, he confirms in the same verse, he was raised from the dead. So he confirms he and clarifies both in one verse that he is of the seed of David, he is the Messiah, and he was raised from the dead. Now, I, I've learned in, in my life um, we need to be important about, be, be uh, kind of careful about certain things we do, important things are important, kind of make double check things to make sure things are correct. And here, who here actually sends emails in their, in their work uh, consistently. Yeah, I do. I send a lot of emails. And has anybody ever sent an email they wish they would have proofread first? <laughs> I, I have done that too. And I, I did that just probably a few months ago. Um, you know, when you look at the keyboard, the letter C and the letter V are right next to each other. They're right ne- they can change the meaning of a word drastically. <laughs> and they're right next to each other. So we, I had to upgrade an employee. We changed her over from a contract employee to a full-time regular employee working for us, and I had to change her login. So I sent an email up to our entire IT department and said, this is what it was supposed to have said. We have a previous employee here, a previous contract employee that needs to be changed over to a regular employee. Well, I hit a C instead of a V when I typed out previous. So it came out, we have a precious contract employee here that needs to be changed over to full-time logins. And I didn't notice that till after it was already delivered. And, and they kind of let me know what I, what I said. And so that also another thing that reminded me of when me and Miss Melissa, or Melissa was dating, is uh, I, I used to always tease her. Um, there was a, a verse in the Bible speaking of a stone of stumbling. Her uh, last name used to be Stone, and she reminded me of that when she was walking up here just now to sing, how I used to always tease her 
a stone of stumbling. I used to, I, but after she became Seber, it was kind of hard to, to say stone of stumbling since she wasn't stoned anymore, but it worked for, it worked for a while. All right, so getting back to our message, remember the resurrection. We cannot forget the importance of the literal bodily resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. Paul was exhorting Timothy here in this verse to remember the resurrection, not to forget what Jesus Christ did for us, not to forget what he demonstrated, the power he demonstrated he had by this resurrection from the dead. And if there were any doubts about his deity at this point, when he resurrected himself from the grave, that doubt was over. He demonstrated the almighty power that he had over death himself. So remember that Jesus Christ. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul seems to say, whatever tribulations, whatever trials you're going through, remember that Jesus Christ. Remember that he raised from the dead. Remember he is the Messiah. Remember he is there for you. Remember he has that all power, everything you need, you could possibly need to go through that trial, to make it through that trial. He has. He has that. Remember that Jesus Christ. Paul reminded Timothy in this verse that Jesus was a descendant of David, that Jesus was raised from the dead according to the scriptures, that Jesus endured the hardship of the crucifixion for us. Hebrews 12, 2-3, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, for the joy that was set before him, the future joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The fact of the actual literal bodily resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ is extremely important to a Christian. Jesus endured for us, what he endured for us should give us encouragement to make it through those trials, encouragement to get that joy in the midst of whatever situation we're facing. He endured all that, just for our future possibility of getting saved. He knew not everybody would get saved, not everybody would trust him, but he endured that for the future joy of knowing people would trust him, people would get saved. And he voluntarily endured the crucifixion, all that was there for that future joy, for the anticipation. It was joy to him to anticipate us getting saved, us trusting him as our Savior. That was joy for him, and that's how he endured the crucifixion with that future joy in mind. So what if, so we're talking about remembering the resurrection, so I'm going to ask a few questions tonight. Uh, first one is, what if Jesus was not raised from the dead? What would that mean? What would that mean? Um, and towards the end, I'm going to borrow a few statistics I told the teens in Sunday school class this morning, so you'll remember it when I get there. But it was just too good. I had to, sh- had to share it and include it in tonight. But first question is, what if Jesus was not raised from the dead? Then that would mean the preaching of the gospel would be in vain. It would be meaningless. And then the Bible tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. So if Jesus was not raised from the dead, the preaching of the gospel would be in vain. It would be meaningless. There would be no need, no purpose for preaching today if Christ did not really raise, rise from the dead. What would be the point? We would have a hopeless gospel. But... 1 Peter 1.3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have that lively hope by the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the dead. So without Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead, we have a hopelessness hope. We have hopelessness, but because of his resurrection from the dead, we have that lively hope that we have today in Christ. So what if Jesus was, was not raised from the dead? Preaching would be in vain. Second part of that verse says our faith would be in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, again, the last part of that verse, and, and your faith is also vain. So our faith in Christ, if we had any without the resurrection, if we had any without the resurrection, it would be in vain. It would be meaningless. It would be empty. Our faith would be based on a lie. So it would be pointless. Our faith has to be grounded in the actual literal resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead for it to mean anything. So what if Jesus Christ had not been raised from the dead? Another thing, the apostles would be false witnesses if the resurrection did not happen. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so, be that the dead rise not. So Paul basically posed all these questions of 1 Corinthians 15, and he kind of answered them. So if Jesus Christ had not raised from the dead, the apostles would be false witnesses. And if they cannot be trusted because they are false witnesses about what they said about the resurrection, then why would we believe anything else they said in what in their epistles? The apostles testified that Jesus rose from the dead, Acts 2.32. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. So they're saying we all are witnesses of Jesus raising from the dead. But if that did not happen, they would all be false witnesses. So if they testified to something that was false, how could you trust them? Everything in the Bible has to be true. If one part is not true or accurate, you cannot trust the rest of it. We have to have a true, accurate, 100% accurate Bible we can trust in, we can rely on. We have to have faith in God's Word to be God's Word. And the only accurate version, I believe, is the King James Version of the Bible for English-speaking people. That is our Bible. That is the English Bible. We have to have faith in that. Others, you cannot have faith in it. But we can have faith in our King James Bible. The apostles also claimed to have spent time with Jesus. For 40 days after the resurrection, if the resurrection did not occur, all this about the 40 days would be false as well. The truthfulness of the resurrection is of utmost importance to the Christian faith. Acts chapter 10, 39 to 41 says, And we are witnesses of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. If Jesus Christ had not raised from the dead, we would still be lost in our sins. That's the most frightening part of that question. If he did not raise from the dead, we would still be in our sins. They would not be paid for. 2 Corinthians 15, 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Ye are yet in your sins. We'd all still be sinners on our way to hell. He would not be a sinless Savior. The Bible tells us we need a sinless sacrifice to take our penalty. The Bible teaches us it takes a perfect lamb without blemish to be the sacrifice for our sins. If someone has lied, they are not the perfect lamb. 1 Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If, if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead, believers in Christ who have already died, 
if the resurrection were not true, they would have perished in their sins. They would have perished in their sins. There would be no future hope of reuniting. They would have perished in their sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 18. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. Their faith would be in a false Messiah. Their sins would not have been atoned for on the cross. By the shed blood of the sinless Savior. They would have died in their sins without hope. Without Christ really being Christ, we have no hope. He's got to be who he says he is. 1 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. What is our hope? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. When we have trials, we have tribulations, we have testing going on in our life. Who is our hope? Christ Jesus. He is our hope. When we have difficulties, we lose lost ones, we lose loved ones, we have all this going on in our life. Who is our hope? Christ. He is our hope. And this resurrection has to be true for him to be that hope. So he has to be our hope. The resurrection has to be true. Another point is Christians then will be pitied by the world because they would know we're believing in something that's false, but yet we're still believing in it. So they'd be pitied in the world. I want to pause here for a second. I don't know if I necessarily like the word pitied, but we kind of feel the same way about others, don't we? Those that aren't saved, those that aren't on their way to heaven, we kind of have that feeling because we know they're believing in something that is false. Well, they would have that feeling for us then. So that feeling we have for them, they would have that same feeling for us. So if the resurrection were not true, they would have that same for us as we have for them right now. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. He's basically saying if you're only believing in then and now that Christ really didn't do what he said he would do, we are of all men most miserable. We would be pitied because we believe in a hopeless faith, a false Messiah. All this would be true if the resurrection did not take place. But, but, praise God and thank God it did take place. And because it did, we should be remembering it. We should be honoring it. We should be thinking about it. Keeping it in our minds. Keeping it important. Keeping it on the forefront of our minds. It is the basis of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith. It is the reason we can have eternity. It is the reason we can have hope. It is the reason we can get, get saved, get to heaven. That is the reason. So what, next question for tonight, what does the resurrection of Jesus from the dead do? What does it do? We believe in it now. What does it do? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ do? It verifies and justifies our faith. Romans 4, 24, 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. He did everything, God did everything for us to give us a way to get to heaven. It's, it's kind of a, a, an incredible thought to think that the almighty, all-powerful God sent his son to do everything his son did just to give us the chance to get saved, just to give us the chance to trust him. I mean, he could have done anything else. He could have just started over, but he did all this just to give us the chance to get saved. That's just an incredible thought. was delivered for our offenses. He had to do it because of our sin, all the sins that we do, sins that people know about, sins that people don't know about, all the sins that we do, our offenses, he had to endure all that for us. 
and he did it for our justification. He endured it for our offenses, and he did it for our justification. So Jesus stated his blood would be the only thing adequate for the remission of sins of the world. Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And then Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And that Colossians 1.14, this is kind of a side note, but we, we emphasized we need to make sure we have the right Bible, the 100% Bible we can trust. And NIV, in Colossians 1.14, that through his blood is not in there. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. They left the blood out. So that's why we need to make sure we have the right Bible, the King James Bible. Also, it verifies and justifies our faith by Jesus raising from the dead. God demonstrated his acceptance of the death and shed blood for the remission of our sins. He demonstrated he accepted that payment. It was paid in full. He accepted that payment. Romans 8, 33, 34. Whom shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I like that part right there. It is Christ that died, and then he thinks again, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So what does the resurrection of Jesus from the dead do? It verifies, it justifies our faith. It demonstrates God's power to us, Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. The resurrection provides us with the hope of our own resurrection. 1 Peter 1, 21, Whom by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14, love these verses, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. We have hope. We have hope of we have the hope of our salvation. We have the hope of our loved ones who have gone on before us, their salvation. We have the hope of a great reuniting in heaven one day because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So what does the resurrection of Jesus from the dead do? The resurrection demands and compels our loyalty to Christ. Romans 14, 19. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. It demands and compels our loyalty to Christ. He was raised and exalted so he could become our Lord and Savior. His resurrection proves he is Lord and Christ. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Read verses 32 to 36. Acts chapter 2, reading verses 32 to 36. His resurrection proves he is Lord and Christ. Acts chapter 2, 32 to 36. Verse 32 says, This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Who they had crucified, God had made him Lord and Christ. Because of his resurrection and exaltation, our lives and service belong to him. 2 Corinthians 5.15 And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We are not to live for ourselves. We are to live for him who died for us, who rose again for us. We are to be living for Christ in our life, not living for ourselves, not living for our interests, not living for our, our pet sin we do, not living for this, not living for that. We are to be living for Christ, living for the one who died for us, living for the one who rose again. We are to be living for him, not for us. Most importantly, the resurrection is the proof that we can have eternal life with Christ if we just accept his free gift of salvation. Remember, he endured the crucifixion, endured the cross for the hope that was before him, for the joy that was set before him of us accepting him as Savior. He's not forcing us to be saved. His joy, he endured the cross just for the joy, the future joy of us accepting him as our Savior. We need to accept his free gift of salvation. We need to ask him into our heart as our Lord and Savior. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Third question, why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Because by his resurrection from the dead, God showed that he accepted and approved of all that Jesus taught. He declared Jesus to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness. How? By the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1.4. Those that love sin and the pleasures of this world reject the resurrection of Christ. They will reject his world. They will reject his word. They will try to trivialize and mock the teachings of the Bible and Christ. And I see that everywhere. Why? And this is a combination that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. John 3, 19, 20. Throughout God's word we are taught to choose. We are taught to choose between our will and his will. We are taught to choose to accept him as our savior. It's not forced on us. He gives us free will. We are taught to choose. It is our choice. We will not be coerced into living for God. He will not force us to live for him. We have a free will. John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. But as many as received him, it was their choice. John 7, 17, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself, if any man will. And then one of my favorite passages is Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye do dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John 1, 12, but as many as received him. John 7, 17, if any man will, then Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve. 
It's always left up to us. It's us. We need to make the decision to serve God, make the decision to accept God, make the decision to do God's will. You cannot avoid making the choice. You either choose to accept God or you have chosen to reject God. You, you will make a choice either way. You reject God, you reject his, his payment for the penalty of your sin that he did on the cross. You reject him, you're facing, you're facing an eternity in hell, suffering eternal torment. And Jude tells us in the blackness of darkness forever. Either way, you are making a choice. You make sure to make the right choice and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Final question, why do I believe in Jesus? Why do I believe in Jesus? First one, because of fulfilled prophecy. It says in Deuteronomy 18, the prophet who came would be like Moses. Deuteronomy 18 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. He be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. There would be a forerunner, a forerunner who would prepare the way. Isaiah 43, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. His resurrection from the dead, spoken of in Psalm 16, 8 to 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. His birth foretold in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. So what is the significance of fulfilled prophecy of Jesus? This is what I'm referring to. I shared this with the teens this morning and just had to stick it in here. So what is the significance of fulfilled prophecy of Jesus? The Old Testament has approximately 330 prophecies concerning a future Messiah. Jesus of Nazareth fulfilled every single one of them. Amen. The mathematical probability of, of it being a coincidence is impossible. The probability, this man sat down that we, this man sat down and figured out the mathematical probabilities of all this. The probability of any man who has lived fulfilling just eight of the 330 or so prophecies concerning Jesus is calculated as one in 10 to the 17th power, or one with 17 zeros after it, of someone fulfilling just eight of the 330 prophecies of Jesus. One to the 17th power. To illustrate how, he gave an illustration here, to illustrate how large this number is, he said, suppose you had that many silver dollars that you could lay them right next to each other and cover the entire state of Texas with silver dollars. And then you went two feet deep with silver dollars across the entire state of Texas. And then you marked one of them. And then you blindfolded a man, told him he can go anywhere in the state of Texas and this two feet deep of silver dollars. He's got one chance to pull out that one coin that you marked. That is the probability of one to 10 to the 17th power of one man fulfilling just eight of the prophecies. He went on to calculate, if you fulfill 48 of the prophecies, a lot bigger number, is 1 in 10 to the 157th power. So 1 with 157 zeros after it just to fulfill 48 of the prophecies. 
If you were able to count from 1 to 250 in one minute, so you can count 250 numbers every minute, it would take you 19 million times 19 million times 19 million years to count to 10 to the 157th power. Mathematical. Just using math, you can prove to somebody that Jesus Christ has to be who he says he is. Just by math. If they don't believe anything else, just say, well, let's do some math. I'll show you by math how you can know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, how Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, Jesus not only fulfilled just eight, he did not fulfill 48. He fulfilled all 330. Now, I can't even imagine how big that number would be. So it's easy to see why the apostles appealed to the Messianic prophecies in their writings to prove who Jesus Christ was. They're quoted throughout the New Testament. They appealed to that. The apostles claimed to be eyewitnesses. Another reason to believe in Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Another reason is because of the apostolic testimony. The apostles claimed to be eyewitnesses. Acts 10, 39, 42, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, and then 2 Peter 1, 16, 18, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. The apostles claimed they ate and drank with him after the resurrection, Acts 10, 39-41. They claimed they saw and touched him after the resurrection, 1 John 1, 1 1-3. The resurrection appearances of Jesus were many. At one time he appeared to over 500 at once, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So what is the significance of the apostolic testimony? If their testimony is false, the New Testament is a carefully orchestrated lie. But then you have to ask a question, why would the apostles suffer extreme hardship for what they knew was a lie? Why would they let themselves be martyred for what they knew was a lie? Why would the early Christian church let themselves be persecuted and martyred for what they knew to be a lie? Well, they wouldn't. They knew it to be true. It is the truth. God's word is truth. Jesus is truth. This is truth. They were willing to die for the truth, but they wouldn't have been willing to die for a lie. So then everything that they taught about Jesus is true, and we can claim it to be true, and we can trust it to be true. So if the word of God is true, the apostolic testimony is true, if remembering Jesus Christ raised from the dead, all that is true, then he is the Son of God, Romans 1.4. He truly has all authority in heaven and earth. He was from the Father above, and he spoke the words of the Father, John 8, 28, 29. No one can come to the Father but through him, John 14, 6. His blood was shed for the remission of sins, Matthew 26, 28. He came to offer abundant life, John 10, 10. He did go and prepare a place for us, John 14, 2. He will come again, John 14, 3. And there will be a resurrection of the dead and a judgment, John 5, 28, 29, and 12, 48. So the Christian should never lose sight of the significance of the resurrection. Remember the resurrection. Remember that the resurrection is the foundation of our faith. It is the linchpin of our faith. 
We build our faith on everything else from the uh, resurrection of Christ. If you deny the resurrection, you deny everything else that comes along with it. If you deny the resurrection, you cannot accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Choose to live for him and dedicate your life to his service. So in conclusion, the reality of the resurrection is of the utmost importance to Christianity. Those suffering hardships, going through trials, going through testing, suffering a loss, can rest assured and Christ is the hope. Rest assured that Christ did raise from the dead. We can rest assured that we will see our loved ones that have gone before us again someday. That future reunion will come because the resurrection, because Christ did raise from the dead. He endured it all. Remember, he endured the hardship of the cross. He endured it all for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So will you be sure to remember the resurrection? Remembering the resurrection helps keep all other things in our life in their proper place, in their proper perspective. 2 Timothy 2.8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead.